Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, podcast where two comedians talk like experts on topics they are definitely not experts on. Join with Jordan. Jordan's just done some of his first stand-up shows for the year. How did they go? Two of them good, two of them bad. It's a pretty good hit rate. Yeah, it's not bad. Especially because we've been out of the game for a year now. You've been still practicing, I suppose, with improv skills. So you'll be back in the saddle when it comes to that. Mm. But I think even memorization starts to wane. There's just points where I was just sitting there blank staring at the audience for 10 seconds and they thought that I was making some sort of impactful moment. But I just couldn't remember what the fuck I was going to say next. Uh, <laughs> that happened a lot just, more than I would like to admit. Could just be your age, Jordan. Getting old. Man, if that's how much has deteriorated in a year, I'd be very scared. I'm praying. I'm praying that it was just that I kind of started rehearsing at the last minute and thought that I could remember more than you can in an hour. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the brain function does actually decline by the age of 30 or by the mid-30s, definitely. Oh, yeah. But... Everything is downhill from here. No, there is one positive thing in it. Now I can't remember what it is. But, like, mental acuity goes... But mm. whatever you would call like wisdom or whatever, I think like the, the amalg it's just because you've had so many experiences, they just amalgamate in your head better. But that's yeah. just because of that's got nothing to do with the fact that your brain's getting better. It's just it's got more shit in it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you've picked up more experiences by the the neurons are firing ever so slowly. Well, other people have. I haven't picked up any new experiences. Oh, you've picked up some I'm sure you've picked up some great experiences over the years. No, all my experiences are just reading the newspaper and going, what? That would be the last 10 years of my life. I think that's it. Oh, and then I went to a couple of third world countries for a laugh. That's pretty good. <laughs> that sounds experiencing. No one else has gone to third world countries. As it me- So you, your entire life is a meme. I know. You don't have to point it out. I guess you just got to face facts, though, don't you? You have to. You, you really do have to go there in our line of work. Eventually, you become the joke. I think that is like a really good thing. Of that is a common through line for many comedians' lives, isn't it? They adopt a character of someone they're initially making fun of, but then they become that character. Yeah, and it's very sad. Yeah, they're not happy people. No. Except for, I will say this, I assume Dave Hughes is a happy man. He's too rich not to be. He's gamed it so well. It's just like, if there is going to be an Australian TV show, you can bet money he's going to be the host of it. Yeah. It's just this constant thing of just like, okay, you've moved from high-profile radio show to high-profile radio show. It's just like his entire life is just our lives, I guess, of doing things for free, except for some guy with a contract is just being like, here's $600,000 to do exactly the same thing Neil does. And that's his whole life. Yeah. Like, it's not just, he doesn't have one gig. But is he happy? He's like 30? Money doesn't buy happiness. We know this. Yeah. But like, if you're getting paid a lot of money to do what you like to do, (laughs) I can imagine you'd be pretty damn happy. You'd think so. But it's the old cliche where the, the rich celebrity is always depressed. Well, the because only... I can't imagine Husey's depressed. Yeah, I can't either. Well, look, the only experience I have of him actually is him being depressed. Oh, but that was <laughs> f- for really sad. Well, there you go. 
Look, you've just contradicted your theory. Yes, I did. Because, you know, when you walk down the street mm. and like, I don't know. A few hectics recognize me. A, a few hectics. A few other nerds recognize me. Yeah. But like, that guy was just in Adelaide on one of those free scooters that they have. Mm. And he stacked it. And as soon as he stacked it, like it was, it was like, boom, and then like flies on dung. There was maybe fifteen people in Adelaide in the middle of the night. There's, there's no one around. Fifteen people just go and start filming it. And just be like, "Oh, Husey, selfie, selfie, Husey, are you alright?" But so the not, whole time they're just staring at him through the camera. So they're not actually helping him. They're just no. They wanted the they're moment. Just filming him. Yeah. They just feel good. So even when he's in a moment of personal embarrassment and humiliation, they expect him to act like a jester. Yeah, flies on a cake. Nah, he he's not happy. Yeah. He cannot be a happy man. <laughs> if you just want some level of dignity, even in your embarrassing moments, the one point in your life, please don't treat me like a monkey. <laughs> nah, even when he's tripping over, he's a funny man. <laughs> How bad would the situation have to be for people to still want to feel? If 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 Yuzi ha- has a car accident, are people going to like oh, still? Oh, I'm bleeding out. Help me! Oh, he's doing the he's voice. He's doing the voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yuzi's bleeding, but he's still funny. Yuzi loses it. <laughs> and it was out of it was out of a gig that he was. So, look, his whole life is just so. That's what I'm very jealous of. If there's anybody in life that you can learn about time management skills from, it have to be Husey. I mean, the guy just goes from TV show to radio show to TV show to stand up show. That's his whole life. He was just at the Rhino Room in Adelaide testing out material at like ten thirty at night, going on to doing other shit. He's a workhorse, isn't he? He is a workhorse. So he's, he's just around the clock doing it. So maybe he just doesn't even have time to realise that he's the butt of the joke anymore. He's just like, this is my life. And I suppose it is after a while. How can how can you be the quintessential Aussie when you're a workhorse and very successful? Yeah, what the it hell? Doesn't work. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a paradox, isn't it? If you work really hard and are successful at being the An affable Aussie. Aussie that everyone loves, they'll eventually stop loving you. You, 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 there's a glass ceiling of, of the Aussie battler success because it's, what is it? It's a fucking steak ceiling, mate. You can't get too successful or we'll stop fucking loving you. <laughs> it's just true. If you become too successful, people are like, that cunt's a fucking wanker. Yeah. Oh, he's a mid tier celebrity. Yeah, I, I live a mid tier life. I like him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand what the what okay what is the go to thread between Dave Hughes and uh, what's the guy that looks like Gandhi again? You know what I'm talking what? about Carl Barrett. Uh- <laughs> 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 yeah, people like Carl Barrett more. I think people just know Hughesy as the as the personality, but that I think they like Carl Barrett as the. Stand-up comedian. Everyone knows Husey does stand-up comedy, but Carl Barron sells shows like crazy. Yeah. He can go to any town with 10,000 people. He'll sell out the 1,000-seat theater yeah. for four nights in a row. Does uh, crazy amounts of merch. Mm. After the numbers he pulls financially just with merch sales in regional towns like Geelong, where he did a week run at their major theater 
Everyone loves him. Everyone. Because if you're 90 or if you're nine, you can go and see him. Mm. Mm. Uh, so that man would be one of the richest people in Australian entertainment, if not... It'd have to be V, surely. It, it would have been Don Burke for a while where he's got no contract. Yeah, I, 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 I'd, I'd say he's up there, man. But um, how the... This is the strange thing as well. I know that there's the DVD sales that are keeping him going, but when do you reckon the last time he was on TV was? Like 2002 for like a little Sydney comedy festival thing or a comedy channel? That's just, that's maybe he just doesn't him. have time for TV. He doesn't need to. That's an insane theory. Is like Imagine not um, having to have to promote your shows at all. Ever. Just one poster, boom. You know what it is? I, I see it every time I go to uh, my family's house that lives in Gosford. And you go through all the comedians <laughs> and they're Gosford just like... Gosford with so much animosity. I didn't mean it. Hey, I do like Gosford. Gosford. Well, there's also a bit of that. It's like, I should have had a smile with the eye roll, but both of them are fitting. <laughs> okay. And uh, So, Jordan hates Gosford. It's like... Uh, no, dude. Is it the whole Central Coast hate. or just Gosford? Well, okay. I, I hate Gosford. I love hate the Central Coast. Who the fuck could like Gosford? It's like, it's like if Wollongong had no steel industry. So it's just crackheads. There's like nothing else there. Like horrible malls. Called- that is the industry, isn't it? To yeah. get a job there, you have to get it in like crack prevention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crack prevention or selling crack. Yeah, that's, that's the Gosford economy. <laughs> it, wait, it's not crack. It's ice, right? Cracks. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. American ice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's like see, drugs it, create jobs. Oh, it have to be the only thing that they've got going on there. What, what else is it that they have a super A mart? I really can't imagine. Why, why does that place even exist? Like, Newcastle makes sense. Wollongong makes sense. Mm-hmm. The Central Coast, what is it? Was it just planned as a retirement village and just panned out that way? It's it's a nice area. Yeah, I'd really like to is. have a house. It's just the little area between the, the, the balls and the asshole, isn't it? Gooch of, gooch of Central New South Wales. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it and is, Gosford is the gooch of the gooch, the central coast, a little, <laughs> a little mole, <laughs> no, right in the middle there. Have you ever done a show there? Yeah. How was mine? Was fucked. How was yours? Look, the audience was great. I did definitely uh, overestimate how many tickets I could sell there. So I did, the, I did the four hundred seat theater on a Thursday. Granted, it was a Thursday night. It was a dumb time to do a show. And I got about 80 people in, in a 400-seat theatre. Yeah. It, it was a bit awkward. Did, did you they make did everyone well. sit at the front? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, when good, you have good, to good, tell good. people, yeah, yeah, oh, do you guys mind just coming a bit close? I didn't do it. My opening act did that, but oh, man. Who was your opening act? Uh, a guy called Mitch Garling. He's great. Shout he, out. Uh, he local to the area or not? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, yeah, not a good... Not not my... Uh, look, considering the circumstances, it was a pretty good show. Mm-hmm. I think I did the best I could mm. in those circumstances, but yeah, don't. If you're not sure if you can, if you're ever in entertainment, and you're not sure if you can sell, uh, uh, you know, a 400, 500 seat theater. Just do the pub. Mm. Just sell out of mm. sixty seats at the pub, and then if it sells out, do another. Do night. another one. Yeah. yeah. Well, I realize that in hindsight. <laughs> but, you know. 
Got to learn these lessons. Did you break even on that one or was it one of those no, really expensive, ritzy theaters? I think I would have lost, lost money there. Yeah, yeah, that happens. It's just, just the, yeah, yeah. You've put out all that, you've put out your labor and you lose money. Imagine that. <laughs> God. Pulled your heart and soul into that show. I really did. Did that, that, and they were a nice audience, though. They oh, they were a lovely audience. If right, anyone's listening right. that came to that show, that, that was still Thank a really good much. show. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. Like I said, it just was a bit awkward because <laughs> I, 80 people in a 400 seat. Yeah. Well, I, I also did a show in uh, Launceston in Tasmania, and they have a big theater there that's also about 400 seats. And also overestimated how many tickets I I was like, yeah, I could sell 200. I could at least get it 50% mm. to like 30 people. Okay, it was so bad. <laughs> so I'm like, oh. what the fuck, Launceston? It's because they're racist. <laughs> All the white comedians How many people sold out. Did they? I, I probably. Uh. I mean, <laughs> <but> <laughs> so then. I was panicking. I was like, oh, fuck, what are we going to do? We get to just fill up the first two rows. But what they did was there's a uh, there's a little bar there and they just put, they put like this makeshift stage on the bar and put a bunch of seats Ugh. out in the bar. Again, considering the circumstances, I think I did all right. Yeah. I have a weird uh, – I sell – really well in the capital cities, especially Sydney, because well, all the ethnics come out. Hmm. So I sell really well in Sydney. I can sell, I sell the MO Theatre, which is 1,600 seats. Hmm. And in Melbourne, I sold the Athenaeum twice. That was about 80% each time, but that's still, you know, an 800-seat theatre. Um, and sell, you know, three, 4,000 over the course of a month at the Comedy Festival. Sell in the hundreds in Brisbane as soon as you go regional. Which it doesn't even even uh, relative to the population, I should be selling more. But people, where the ethnics are, yeah, is that the deal? Uh, pro- uh, look, I think uh, they just uh, add those extra seats that make it <laughs> instead of eighty, it would have been you know double that three hundred, yeah, and, uh, and, all right, yeah. and that would have looked all right in a four hundred. Uh, yeah, 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 So I've given up on the regionals because you guys just don't come out. Mm. So if I you do had the, your chance, if I do them, it'll uh, it'll be I'll do uh, at like a bar, and those are sick nights. Uh, they they're actually really fun. Well, I, if the look, audience is if I the think so too, man. I really think that the regional the regional shows that I've done have always been the best ones. They might not be the best selling, but they're mm. very appreciative that you came. And that's that's the great. Thing. Yeah, even if the show is absolute dog shit, they're like, oh, thanks for coming out. Yeah. Like, that was a terrible show, but I appreciate that. No, but you <laughs> just get an automatic 7 out of 10 just for being there. Yeah. Yeah. That's you will it. get a great review in, like, you know, the uh, that's it. like Tun Curry Tribune. And you you, you just got to have one local reference and they lose it. Yep. Every time. It's, really giving away the tricks of the trade there. It's, but, and it's so easy. It's so easy. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, oh, it's so, they're so good. How did he think of it? Crowd that? work is actually quite an easy thing to do for a comedian. Everyone's most impressed by crowd work. A, a basic, you know, a, a, someone transitioning from amateur comedian to uh, $50 a gig comedian can do pretty good crowd work. Mm, mm. It's more about the audience and the vibe of the audience. And if you're confident and you chat to them, you will you'll get some laughs. Yeah. But that's what amazes people the most. Oh, he just came up with it on the spot. Crowd work's actually quite easy. 
Yeah. Relative to writing an incredibly well-structured, brilliant joke. Yeah, it's pretty depressing, isn't it? It was like what we were talking about before. It's just like the best comedians that we've ever seen have always just been those drug-fucked party dudes that they're not really comedians so much as they are kind of just like amoebas of dopamine that have kind of stumbled <laughs> onto the stage. <laughs> <laughs> The drugs have so severely uh, just changed the pathways of their neurons that they now think they're very intelligent, but they think with such incongruence yes. that they come up with these genius ideas. Yeah, yeah. That's... Linking bizarre concepts that the average person wouldn't be able to. Oh, that's, that's definitely a... why Craig Ferguson was a genius. It was that. It was just drug abuse. Steve Hughes? Steve Hughes is the same thing. But, but I imagine that Steve Hughes has a planned show, right? Yeah, 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 I don't think he does a bit. Ah, uh, yeah, he does. He do, he do both, but like he'd have some kind of structure there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he, Steve Hughes is another good example of that. Mm. Um, it is the only thing that I'm very, unf- very sad about not doing in my twenties is that so I could just have the brain to do it now. But then the other Try. thing is, then after that, you just <laughs> don't have the, you wouldn't have the capacity to do anything of structure ever. No, and- because it's all an illusion, right? Yeah, man, so it is like it is pretty amazing. Because you're don't refusing you feel- to take the red pill. You are refusing. You are man. Quite literally. Oh, that's a pro- it's a white pill. Probably. I don't white, know anything yeah. about drugs. Clearly, all <laughs> <laughs> colors of the pill, man. <laughs> but don't you feel like when you go to those shows that you are on drugs at the end? Because you're just you're just listening to someone's yeah. mind who's there. Yeah, because for it's, the whole time it's entertaining and it's bizarre, but it's also confusing. <laughs> Which I imagine is what. Which is the best doing. Don't you reckon serious that is psychedelics as well? Yeah, like. yeah. Don't you think that's the best laugh? The confused laugh. But yeah, the why am I laughing right now? That's the laugh that I like the most because it's just every other laugh. I think because I've just read so much about humor theory, I'm just like, yeah, that falls into that category. That falls into that category. But then when it just comes to something that is just genuinely, I know that we both hate this term, absurd. But this is the whole thing. It is truly absurd. It's not fake mm. absurd of just like, I'm wearing a shoe as a hat. Ooh. You know, like it's something that it Give them is. an award. <laughs> oh. What a genius. It's really sticking it to those mainstream comics. How many of the Melbourne Comedy Festival awards do you think have been won by absurdist acts? How many haven't? Okay, so it's always <laughs> that's, that. That's the question. Yeah. Right? I don't know. Anyway, we always get into this. Uh, we always complain. We've talked about this, didn't we? We've got to stop complaining about comedians that get awards that no one cares, that only we know about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Everyone the, the awards that we only know about are the comedians winning it that we only know about. So yeah, no one else there's knows really them. no esteem to winning these awards. And we always complain. But then, <laughs> what, are the, what are the trends we always do on this? We are, I feel like we always suck each other's dicks quite a lot. I'm always like, man, I really like how you do this. And I like the way you do that. And I, I think your thoughts are really great. <laughs> <laughs> and people want to listen to that. What is wrong with you all? <laughs> it's so true, dude. It's, it really scares me how many people come up to me now and say, yeah, this Neil and Jordan podcast, very deep. But let's just analyze <laughs> this. It's bitching about other comedians <laughs> while saying we're mad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Followed by a bunch of thoughts of it, like we haven't studied for. We are we- not. 
God, we're narcissists. We're we're victim narcissists. So we're like, mm. they all get the awards, but we're better. <laughs> well, we look at the bums on seats, man. The worst people. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, look, it's it is a lot of that, but. Do people at your shows are they like, hey, yeah, that that uh, that podcast good? Well, I didn't go afterwards. You're not allowed to because of COVID. So they just oh, no. fucked off afterwards. Okay. There was uh, yeah, I get very little interaction with them, huh? There's a, there's a clear. I think out of my demographic, there's now a sub demographic that likes this podcast. It's not there's as ethnic. Demo. It's more white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's, dude, I've got to say, say this is very strange because the subcategory that I come across that likes this podcast is more ethnic. Really? (laughs) Yes. Well, there you go. But I think it might just be the places that I hang around as well. It's just like, dude, if you're in the city of like, are you going to come across another white person? It's all just going to be Asians. So, of course, they're the ones that are going to be like, big fan, man. (laughs) (laughs) But they're a big fan of this podcast. You know what I think it is as well? I think that the people that like this podcast, there's so much hypothesis. You can tell us about yourselves in the comments, but uh, I assume that they're all uni kids that are not in that phase of university that actually matters yet. They're in the year 11 part of university. That's like year so one and two. specific. <laughs> <laughs> so just second year uni students. Second year uni students, you're not trying to go on to your masters. You're not thinking, fuck, I need to get a job out of this. This is just like a, yay, extension of high school. What are the sort of podcasts that people listen to during various times of of their life? Okay, so we'll say uni kids, well, male uni kids, majority male uni kids mm-hmm. listen to this. Yep. And then I guess once you're a new graduate, do you start listening to more of this? Well, we, did, we touch on self-help, but the serious self-help stuff and the career-oriented Stuff and then maybe by late twenties, after you've had your quarter life crisis, then you listen to some spiritual and you know life advice, wanky stuff, mm. and then you start listening to um, if you're a woman, mums podcasts, mm. or uh, oh, fuck, what are men who've just had kids listen to? You know what they start listening their to? Their own dark thoughts. <laughs> oh man, that <laughs> reminds me. You know what? Like Miss and I just had the greatest realization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if this is like a transfer over to other cultures, but like every white dad around our age obsessed with Sting. And you know why? You listen back to Sting, it's every dad's inner dark thoughts. He's just capitalized on that. He's, he's, he's just singing about the things that you know every dude that is past their prime is insecure about. <laughs> God. And you, so, dude, if, if that's the case, because I swear to God, you listen, any, back me up. If you're white, did your dad listen to Sting? And were they defensive about it as so, well? If you ask him about Sting, was he kind of just like, yeah, he's, he's all right. And it's just like, yeah, but why do you listen to him every time you're on a long car trip? Why? And so I think that that's, you could be onto something here, man. Maybe, maybe guys... I think Women's podcasts would be like yummy, mummy, yay, or like how to make time for yourself after you've yeah had babies. Make time for yourself and uh, how to make a job out of eBay. Those kings. <laughs> <laughs> stop being so hard on your. Stop judging yourself. Fuck. It's always self empowering. Whereas the male podcasts are always like, this is how you be better. 
Stop making excuses. Yeah. Isn't that, that's, that's the, if I could sum it up. You know, I don't know. Again, that's, that's, that was the huge appeal of Jordan Peterson because it was just, he, he <laughs> this is got another, such a fucking attack. Yeah, it's another big point. Every podcast, that's the drinking game for this podcast. When we uh, compliment each other, when we talk about Jordan Peterson, when we bitch about comedy in Australia. <laughs> and when be we drunk by now already. Jordan Peterson. Yes. That's the other one. Genius. He's a genius man. <laughs> Brilliant guy. But he was just hitting a demo that just wasn't there. We like, said this huh? every... What? This is that. The demo thing. Yeah, we say similar oh, man, I am getting Alzheimer's. <laughs> I, mean, I thought <laughs> yeah, this was like a old, thing bro. that I've never thought of before. <laughs> All right, just say it. Say it, say it, say it, say it. It's just like, dude, if you go to the self-help section of an airport, it's all either non-gender specific or it's all just like women kicking ass in the office girls can kick butt too how to kick butt like a man like it's all that (laughs) and then there's jordan peterson that's just clearly aimed at dudes and if you listen to him i'm telling you man just the sting of psychologists (laughs) he's he's hitting on a lot of male insecurities oh yeah damn so maybe they do and then the other thing that yep. obviously the a huge, huge component of podcasts that uh, guys getting into their mid thirties start listening to, of course, is investments and property speculation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. true, true, true. Yeah, probably guys, uh, single guys in their twenties listening to uh, workout podcasts and fitness podcasts. And then and some the guys pick up at is that out of vogue. The pickup, as in pickup artistry. Yeah. Is that still... There'll be some podcasts there. What does that look down on now? I I actually don't know if it's... Well, all the bars are closed, so (laughs) it's more more, uh, transferred to the apps. How to to pick up on the apps. Oh, of course. Right. I don't know. I don't need it anymore. (laughs) If you're listening to the audio, I made a face there to make it look... It's definitely true. Look, this is the key sarcastic. to picking up in sarcastic. life for any young guys that are out there. Because I spent a lot of time reading pickup books. But I'll tell you what the key is. You ready? It's called Being Older Than 25. <laughs> <laughs> You're not. I'm 26 and I, I can verify that. Don't you really? I can, I can 100% verify that. It's so true. Yeah, because your window just becomes so much bigger as you get older, right? If you're 26, I can reasonably, I can date 20 to 30. Mm. I could probably date, eight, I don't know, people will raise eyebrows or whatever, but I could. You could. Yeah. Whereas if you're 20, you, look, a 24-year-old woman's probably not going to be into you. Probably not. And let's be honest, a 20-year-old woman is probably not going to be into you. That's, that's a good point. It's, it's just, no woman's going to be into you. You just, no offense, but you just got nothing going for you. You're not a man. You're not a man. And even if you're a quote-unquote successful 20-year-old, like say that you just got fast-tracked into university and didn't have to do the HSC or something. Well, you're clearly an uber nerd and you probably have Asperger's. So there's going to be other hurdles that you need to overcome. But by the time you're 20, there's only one thing that you could have fully sorted out in your life if you're lucky. And it's just not enough. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's just not, not enough to attract women. It, it's really not. You've got to sort all those other things out. But, I mean, look, having said that, there is definitely 18 and 20-year-olds that uh, did really well that do, when I was yeah. young. But, again, like, they're druggos. I wonder if the, you always, 
I think your social circle was very unique, though. I don't know if. Okay, it depends what you mean by dr- there's the part there's like the party guy and then the druggo. Uh, yeah, I mean uh, like, l- the let's guy upgrade to party who's, guy. You know, scratching the scabs off his face. He's not picking he up. He isn't getting a hit. He's probably not picking up. No. Nah. But um, the fun guy with the, with the hey, you want to come back to mine and do some smoke some weed? Probably get something. He's getting something. He's getting something, especially at 18, 19 year old parties. That's, if you're a drug dealer, that's probably a really, really easy way in. Yeah, I, I, the guys who pick up a lot from say sixteen to twenty, by the time they hit twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, they're usually then not the ones still picking up a lot. Yeah, you know why that is. It's because in their mind they've just realised life goal complete. Yeah, they haven't worked on themselves. They, they have figured out the meaning of life, which is just to like reproduce as quickly as possible. So, <laughs> die. what is the incentive to work? <laughs> Leave a genetic legacy, and that's all. yeah, and die. Yeah, and like, <laughs> as far as their penis is concerned, they have because it doesn't know about contraception pills. But Damn. like, really, what happens intrinsically? I think in your mind, and you know what I see as well it was like the one piece of advice that my mum kept hammering into me that I actually listened to as a kid, which was, if you want to do drugs and have sex, do it after year 12. And I swear that that's it. Like, it, it was definitely a thing that I saw with the guys that started doing weed and shit. Damn, like, you, had you, know, a, you had a very white mum. Yeah. Because the other answer if is just don't do, do drugs, it ever. Do it after year 12. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> But I think it definitely happens. Like if if you, I saw it all the time. And also the other thing is if you're in a relationship or something like that when you're 16, the drama that would be associated with handling a squeeze would take (laughs) so much time and effort away from your studies, wouldn't it? And it'd be so much more interesting as well because it's just revolving yeah. around sex. How much better is that than maths? Yeah, never thought of that. The guys who were just dating constantly uh, back then, like the opportunity cost of that was owning a business by 28. Yeah, it is the opportunity. It really is. People, there's like a real divergence with incels, isn't there? It's it, You either become a tech billionaire or a serial killer. Yeah. There's no... What the hell? You're the right. The more of an incel you are, like there's a graph that's just... Incel is the uh, the y-axis. Sorry, the x. Fuck, I've been out of school for a long time. <laughs> the, the horizontal axis is incel. <laughs> and then and then, um, then the x... The, the vertical axis is the x-axis, right? Mm. Yeah, that's success. So there's positive success which is like the tech billionaire and negative success, which is the serial killer. But girls still love a serial killer. So wherever there is, wherever you're deviating further away from the y-axis, you're going to get more girls. Dude, but the closer you are not to the that y- type of serial killer. <laughs> like See? The, ones that, the ones that girls like are like glamorized in the press because of that reason. Actually true. But there yeah, is that- a lot of serial killers that you will never know of that aren't famous <laughs> and they're, they're really ugly. Dude. I've seen them. <laughs> okay, and yeah. they are incels. Yeah, yeah, they, are, they have that face. <laughs> <laughs> so slack. True, true. You've got to have but, mummy issues but not be an incel. You've got to be really charming but have a dark side. It's You know what it is? It's just straight up. 
What is it? I think it's that they have success. Charisma, man. It's success and fame. What? <laughs> Wherever the success and, and fame, fame comes goes. From. Doesn't matter how yeah. they did it. Damn. There's some bi- there's a biological attraction. This guy, you know, knows how to make himself known in the in the dominance hierarchy. It's <laughs> pretty dominant. He does. Yeah, that's it pr- is pretty that's, dominant. If you're a serial killer, you're a, you're pretty high in the dominance hierarchy. <laughs> like the Zodiac killer, we still don't even know who that is. Yeah, and even if you were caught if you got away with killing thirty strangers. You'd have to be pretty good at it. You'd have to be smart. You'd have to evade. You're obviously evasive. You're resourceful. You know what else you probably are? Very charming. Yeah. Yeah. You're complex. You've got, must have some dark backstory that wouldn't be boring to listen to. Never is. You're a project. Oh, I can, I can (laughs) fix him. I know he brutally murdered and raped 30 women, but I'll change, I'll be the one that can change him. Oh, Man, you know what? You actually stumbled on something that it, it was. Gotta stay in the frame, I, I really bro. like this. Uh, I can't remember the name of the book now, but oh yeah, Dangerous Men, Adventurous Women. I've talked about it before on the podcast. It was fascinating. It was. Mm-hmm. It was a bunch of female authors of romance novels just talking about the format of romance novels and why they're so successful with women. Uh, yeah, that's right. You have talked to me about that. Uh, it was. It was a really good book. And, yeah, they even went into that as an example because they were saying that for a successful male character in a romance novel, as the title suggests, has to be dangerous. And as Jordan Peterson suggests, they have to also be able to contain the danger. And that is what I think is so appealing to women about serial killers is because they're clearly very fucking dangerous, <laughs> but, but they're, not they're also in prison. The they're not containing the danger. Well, they, but they are contained. That's the whole thing. That's why they have all of these like oh. bizarre fantasies and like very sexual correspondences with yeah, uh, right. serial killers. And you, you'll see women that just fall in love with them and marry them even when they're on death row. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll talk to. I'll ask Eliza about this one because this is. A, you should ask her. Yeah. This is a this is a good topic, but anyway, advice to eighteen year old incels: become a serial killer. <laughs> Don't become a creep. Uh, I'm. That's your advice, man. Oh, I she think left you... me on red. We'll go kill someone. Yeah. <laughs> little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Don't write about it. Yeah. Jeez. It's time to man up. That's why you're not <laughs> getting it because you're yeah. not a man. <laughs> Toughen up, you little pussy. Fucking get a gun. Find a vulnerable, find a dark alleyway and start fucking killing. <laughs> Dude, that's really fucked. It's like, it's very. I'm. Uh, I'll be clipped out of context. No, no, no. no. Like, I, I don't think that there is a way to clip that out of context. Like, dude, can you imagine someone trying to sell that as, like, uh, your your sincere opinion? <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Well, there's a challenge to our audience because they seem to like doing that as it, well. I mean, could it, it's not wrong. <laughs> if you are an 18-year-old incel and you do become a serial killer, it is likely you will then get more intense. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it, obviously. But... I just think that you're still missing the one element that gets you puss. 
that, yeah, you might be killing people, but you still don't have charm. Oh, if you're an incel, true. you don't have charm. Yeah, like that Elliot Roger guy just did not have any charm. No. Oh, that, man, that is so scary, that video he did. See, that's it's not even. But that's the thing, actually. If it was scarier, it would have been attractive. But it was just so much resentment. Like if that guy had seen Jordan Peterson, who knows what had happened? Yeah, I know. Could have saved some was, lives. See, that's the whole thing. It was just like, yeah, he went on and did something horrific, like serial killers did. But also, his manifesto was really cringy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna be a serial killer, have a good. Plan the video well, you know, get a makeup artist, make yourself look good, look masculine, but also pretty. You know what else was really like cringy James about Dean. it? There was nothing original in his manifesto. It was just clearly a bunch of shit that he read on a bunch of incel threads that he was regurgitating. It didn't sound fresh. <laughs> so if you were a, a cri- critic of uh, serial <laughs> killer, killer manifestos, <laughs> you'd give it a, a D minus. Yeah. <laughs> you can do be- you can- you can do better than that. Any aspiring serial killers, come on. It's all about the manifesto. It is about the manner. Well, it's just a snapshot into your mind and there there is a very clear reason why he wasn't getting any and it was because he he was a a product of a really resentful community. So he was generic. Yeah. And filled as you said with bitterness. Like w- what is a winning combination of that? If you're going to be bitter, Come up with original ways to be bitter. It's like what I was talking about before with like Charlie Manson or like Ted Bundy. When you listen to them speak, their mind just goes. They're like a good stand-up, the the, the drugo stand-up. You know, it's just like, well, how do you get yeah, there? Yeah, they have interesting philosophies on life. Don't yeah, they? it's not anything you'd hear on an internet forum. No, damn, I never thought of that. <laughs> I think outside the box, guy. Come on, look, the serial killers of today are just. They're not like the serial killers of the 60s. No, they aren't. Just, look, okay, all this TV and, and, and our phones have just ruined the creativity of serial killers. No, it, it has. They've gotten exciting. rid of the art. Yeah. And now you're all just, and now it's such a crowded field. Yeah. Everyone wants to be one, <laughs> but no one's standing out. Well. You know what, Neil? Amen. <laughs> Finally, someone says it. I was telling it like it is. <laughs> Dude, that was, you know what, though? That was really telling it like it is. That, that is I'm pretty sure that is how it is. <laughs> You're all unoriginal. Yeah, you, you, need yeah. some, you need some pizzazz. Done, you know, the white nationalism, that's been done. It's done. It's so done. The Nazism, that's been done. The anti, well, yeah, anti, same thing. Killing because you can't get girls, that's done. The, uh, the even black power serial killing has been done. Like, let, come on, what's the next one? What is, and you know what else? Like, dude, I've figured about it now. All AI of the serial new killer. serial killers, like the, the one that killed because he watched The Matrix and thought he was red-pilled, like... It's all based nah. off something. They're just living out a fantasy that was implanted into their head. Exactly. The incel Lame. serial killer has been done to death. The uh, mental, mental, the crazy serial killer has obviously been done. So what is the next thing? Look, if you're going to be a philosoph- philosophical ki- serial killer, you can't not be unoriginal with that because you just, you are thinking outside the box. So, again, like, you're getting an A-plus manifesto just off that. Like, Charles Manson's trial, how he just got a bunch of hot chicks to sing 
songs that he wrote while he was walking into the trial uh, because he thought that that would, like, increase the vibration of the court and then he wouldn't need lawyers. Now, see, see they just don't make serial killers the way they used to. No. Now they just all hang their heads in the in the trial, sitting there as, like, some lawyer that doesn't really want to be defending them kind of nervously yep. makes the same defence. And, you know, you're going to be blasted on TV screens to millions of people. You could at least look decent. <laughs> They were good looking. Come back up with in the a day. look. Yeah, yeah. Have a new look. I'm actually pondering this now. What would be the next big philosophy that would that would really launch the new wave of serial killing? I can't remember why Ted was doing it. I don't think he had a, a, a philosophy. Charles's philosophy was that there was going to be a race war, and he thought the blacks were going to win it, Ted- so he sided with the blacks. Ted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. I didn't know that. Ted Bundy, well, he's very progressive then, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> well, Ted, he really was, dude. Ted Bundy, uh, from what I, from having watched the Zac Efron movie, he had his mum didn't want him, and then he just, I think that manifested in taking it out on really unlike cute young women, but he was also very charming and. It's not really a philosophy, is it? It's kind of just why you're doing it. Yeah, but, but I where's think, the rationalization? But it wasn't a resent. I don't think it was a resentful uh, incel. Oh, women don't like me. But it was a. I can I can actually get all these women, but I'm also going to kill them. <laughs> I don't know why. Is that? <laughs> but shit. girls love Ted Bundy, so I don't know. Someone comment why Ted Bundy's hot. Because he can get them. That's the whole thing. He's just. <laughs> <laughs> he, he could have been a pickup artist, but he was—he was. He was a pickup artist slash serial killer. That's if, why. If you're an intel, your like last gasp trying to become attractive is just to become a serial killer, and and women are still like, nah, <laughs> not oh, feeling that. That's nah. <laughs> I feel more nah, sorry for that guy than his Ted. victims. That's really sad. <laughs> he did it all. He tried everything. <laughs> What was the Zodiac? They still haven't caught the Zodiac killer. Hey, that I was watching some stuff on YouTube about that guy. Or oh, it could be a girl. We don't know. Mm. And uh, they only recently cracked a code because he made a mistake in the code or something. But they've cracked it. But it also hasn't really led to any major breakthroughs in, in the killer's identity. And he must be dead. Yeah, I mean, look, if he was in his 20s in the 60s, he could he could be alive. Could be 80, mm, 80, 90. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but most likely dead. Now, that is chilling. That, that, that even left that sign, that's something out of a movie. He left, and, and we still don't know who he is. Or, did, or he, she. did he used to tip off the uh, cops before he'd do it? I'm pretty sure... Uh, again, I've only watched a few little, I went down a YouTube hole and I don't think he tipped off before he did it, but he would leave a telltale sign and then would leave and then send letters to the cops sort of, uh, just egging them on and, and, and teasing them for not being able to catch. Holy shit. Yeah. And send all these codes that like I said, only recently with just this modern soft, this supercomputer. And this team that worked on it for a decade or something. No. Yeah, that's what... Okay, this is what this YouTube video said. I cannot verify the validity and the truth to this, but according to a 
animation video on YouTube. <laughs> this is what it said. There's this crack team of some of the most intelligent software engineers uh, who developed a code specifically to break one of the Zodiac Killer's coded messages and only recently just broke it. And and What did it say? I can't remember exactly, but it didn't really help find <laughs> it didn't help that much it, it it was just some sort of a bit of gibberish a bit of sort of ranting i can't remember exactly but uh yeah i i know that there was a sort of recent uh uh break who was some other throughout history they've always been like jack the ripper was a pretty famous one right they found mm. him didn't they no i think they had theories about him oh they never found him no well back in the day it was just virtually impossible to find a serial killer yeah now it's a lot harder to really get away get with away with it yeah well you know what actually it, it wouldn't be if you were extremely cold about it and didn't have the huge ego that usually comes with a serial killer because a lot of the time when they catch a serial killer to this day it is because they're such narcissists yeah. That they go back to the site or they just keep asking the cops, being like, hey, did you find anything else about that body? Oh, yeah, no, I'm just a concerned citizen. But it's like, you called 30 times. Is there something <laughs> sus about that? <laughs> and so a lot of the time they just get caught because they're they get leaving it, so many obvious clues because their mind is obsessed with it. Yeah, they, they, they like get off to it. So no, yeah. they're, they're, they're on, the, the police are on the trail, but not quite. Yeah. I, I think they get off to it. I assume they would. I don't know. I'm not a serial killer. But if I was, I would have that's exactly what I would have said. <laughs> so are there any uh wanted like current serial killers in Australia that are that are active <laughs> active? Active. <laughs> like they're a UFC fighter. <laughs> what leading codes and who shit. Who are the ranking where, where's the serial killing global rankings? Like who's number one right now? <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's, who's topping the serial killing game? <laughs> but what qualifies? You like, want, do you think that there's just like some people? dude in Syria with a bazooka that's just like <laughs> demolished like 30 buildings or something? Maybe, but it can't be political. Oh, no, it can. It can. Of course it can. But it can't be part of a really organized. It's a weird one, isn't it? Because if you, if you do, like, the, the, a few of those people who've done those white nationalist serial killings relatively recently i guess that is very political but it's not part of an organized well a, a larger political group but if people are killing multiple people as part of isis or whatever that's is that still a serial killer you know what if you're even in the army and you get, have 30 kills are you then a serial are you a serial killer no nah, not really I, you're just doing your job but why isn't it their job like what if they're just stealing money off uh the people they kill, and that's how they just keep going on to the next one. I guess it's a job. That's a job. Well, that, a that's job. a job, isn't it? Like, <laughs> I guess it's a job. It's like saying, is a drug dealer a job? Like, it is a job. Dude, being a drug dealer is a job. If you're the top, if you're like a, what's Escobar or, you know, if you run one of those cartels, that you are a serious businessman. Yeah, I mean, I think clever. some of those cartels are worth more than Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's insane. Yeah, they're like, they're very, running, very high-powered CEOs running major corporate. <laughs> I know. In many ways, and with probably... the added like complexity of like everything you do being super illegal yeah. that you have to hide. And they truly did. They probably did 
um, make it themselves. I'm sure there's some nepotism in the drug game, but it's in many ways a bit more noble than uh, than just your run-of-the-mill CEO <laughs> yeah. who probably has a lot of connections and has to sit there, you know, giving all this money to the government. Yeah. Whereas the the drug kingpin, he or she, <laughs> they're you know. They've worked very hard for their position. You can't deny that. And they're great leaders, clearly, because yeah. they have a vision. <laughs> you know, th- that's a CEO that deserves their $14 million a year salary. <laughs> I met a dude, really smart guy, basically a tech billionaire that went from, uh, he's, he's not worth billions, but he's like made enough to never have to work again, started something up in Silicon Valley. He actually came up and talked to me about the CEO thing. They were asking weeks ago about... So many people... Oh, it was banter. Like, I don't... Well, I mean, so I appreciate... many people like, for your information, Neil. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. But <laughs> I really don't... I should know, but I don't care. I assume they do something very important, obviously. My thing was, is that actually the market rate? But people were like, no, it actually is. What? <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's genuinely the market. So if the CEO is getting paid $14 million a year. They are adding that much more to the company. They're that good. And I was shocked, but there you go. Yeah, I'm pretty shocked by that, surely. Because like, even this guy that was saying, what does a CEO actually do? And he was saying that they, they, they create a culture. That's really what they're doing. So that's what, So you were right. Yeah, I fucking was right, wasn't I? That's what you said. They create well, a culture. Well, there I go. They create a culture, and so therefore they're adding that much value. But it, like, it's, it's the same point. It's just yeah. like you're not instilling the culture into everyone. You're kind of just sitting at your office, just being like, "No, you were late. Feel out of charity." It's still shocking to me that every other worker at the company, their it's behavior that is much. so malleable that just a different guy at the top, who they probably don't have a lot of access. If you're just like lowest tier worker probably not you're only hearing a speech from the ceo i don't know what once maybe once a week if that yeah i don't even think it would be like it wouldn't be like the 50s or like school assembly where you just come out on monday and they've just got the minutes i doubt that that's what happens in all of these big companies like ibm or something i bet you just never maybe there's a newsletter that you can subscribe to but th- th- that'd be the extent of you meeting the ceo it must be the ceo then talks to the five other leaders of each department with his or her culture. And then those leaders then take on the CEO's vision, probably add a little bit of their own vision for their department. Yeah. And then that just continues down the corporate chain. That would have to be how it's done. There is no way that the CEO of IBM is going down to like the Koreans like doing the microchips and stuff. Just being like, yeah, I don't know what your job is, but it looks pretty good. <laughs> it wouldn't be happening. Our philosophy is belief, discipline, <laughs> inclusivity. It's, it's just, it's like those uh, mottos of private schools and it's always the same shit. It's like Latin words for, you know. Uh, Remember that you're better. And uh, excellence. Excellence is a common one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, excellence. excellence. Fucking excellence. Damn, doing it's pills. the Simpsons That's... joke of winning the outstanding award in the field of excellence. 
It's just a nothing. It was at me. I won one of those awards in my uh, in at the end of year twelve. It was um, what was it? It was the wankiest award ever. It made no sense. It was uh, I'll I can't off the top of my head. I can't remember it. But next, not next podcast. The one after, I'll I'll come back. It was something like outstanding contribution to the culture of the school or something. just something what just, it just made no sense what does that mean but it's true i did do i did change the culture of that school but you know what how i started you know look drama was nothing and then oh is that why you won it so it was a drama award well yeah i did a lot of improv initiatives there from year 10 i started these lunchtime things where every i got a lot of the year sevens and year eights to to do improv and a, a lot of them have since graduated and listened to this podcast. I know that for a fact. Mad. So they can verify that my pretty Holy egotistical shit. You, claim No, no, but you were of, a CEO. You were. That's probably a lot more than what, like, of my high school, the, that's the right. fuck it Telstra has done for Telstra. Like, probably. And I was very, I was, uh, when the year fives that were potentially... They would come for this open day and their parents would be there. So they'd scout out the school. And I was like, we need to do a performance there. And the, fir- the first year seven assembly, because it's all very boring and managerial and the teachers give these dull speeches. I was, I was like, we need to do a performance there because we can be funny and contrast all that dull, uh, all those dull presentations. And something like 60 out of the 150 kids in year seven signed up to the um, improv and theater sports. What? Yeah. So I deserve that fucking well, award. Was like, yeah, you, you fucking deserve that award. I did. And before that, there was just nothing. No, it was a little bit, but... Who else was doing improv? Was it just you? There was a few other people I did it with in, yeah. the, in my grade and the grades below. Yeah, yeah. In fact, the guy, Daniel, shout out. I know he listens to this sporadically. Uh, he's a guy. He's my partner in crime. When we do the improv shows in in Sydney, they're restarting February fourth, by the way. So uh, get your tickets. neilcolhacker.com slash tickets. But yeah, I taught him. I was in year ten. He was in year eight. I taught him all he knows. <laughs> if someone offers you something, just say yes, 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 <laughs> yes, and. Yes, yes and. and on you some occasions, yes, but on some occasions, yes, but but mo- mostly ah. yes and. Always accept the offer. Don't don't be the hero. Create a narrative. Have an objective. Have have a relationship between the characters. This is all basic improv. All right, I'm I know a lot about improv. You read stuff. Yeah. Like you've read books on improv. There's not many. I've read uh, Truth and Comedy, which is a by Del Close. He was a Pretty uh, famous Canadian improviser. There's well, a few others I need to read. I actually haven't read that many. And then I've read some, there's some websites that tell you different things. Oh, do they? There's not many books. They're probably so everyone just has okay, different read theories. There's not really like a science to it. There can't be a science to improv. There can't. No, no there would there be are, a science but there to are, it. Uh, it's a skill to learn. It's, it's, you can definitely, uh, there are people who are naturally talented and can come up with really funny lines, but to actually perform a good story, especially if it's long form improv, because people who improvise a half hour show, right? It's it's one thing to improvise a two minute scene and you can be funny and just fluke it, but to improvise a 30 minute show, you need to be trained to some degree. Mm. In the same way with stand up, you can probably get on stage and if you've got a few funny 
funny little crackers, you can do a minute or two. Mm. But to do a 20-minute set, you... you Requires a skill set. Yes. Yeah. I'd say it's comparable to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not very popular in Australia. Well, okay, so pretty much it is like playing chess... As opposed to just wrestling around in the mud. No, that's not a good example. <laughs> what? No, it, you know, you know what it is. It actually is exactly improvisation. Playing chess. No, not playing chess. It's wrestling like, in the mud. No, no, no. It's just like <laughs> playing, like when you're like playing in a mud pit as a baby. It is that. Well, life is improv. If oh, that was deep. It is improv. Life is well. What is? What did Shakespeare say? Uh, but a play or something. All that. Uh, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. Merely players, yeah. What yeah, a I fucking think... smart cunt, eh? Hey? <laughs> fucking smart shit, eh? Hey? I'm a player. Like, I'm a fucking player. I've got heaps of chicks, eh? Hey? None of this stage shit, though. That's pretty gay. Uh, fucking theatre fucking <laughs> bullshit, eh? <hey? laughs> what other criminals... Uh, can we unpack the psychology of various crypts? So we've done serial killers, kind of done drug kingpins. Then every other, a lot of other crime is just committed out of necessity, would you say? Like an armed robbery. There's not, oh, there's some people, there's like your Italian job people that genuinely are, like enjoy the art of Well, I knew people that robbery. were professional shoplifters. Like that wasn't out of necessity. They could have gotten a job at a porto. They yeah, just right. liked doing that. Well, that's a very small time. What is uh? What are the terms like grand larceny? What's what's that? Is that when you steal? What is that? Fuck! I don't know what larceny means. Shit! Man, we're dumb cunts. All right, let me, yeah, but at least we we've increased the algorithm. Grand larceny is fuck people with you. Um, grand theft auto is stealing a car. Wait, larceny? Does that mean theft? I don't know. But Grand Theft Auto is stealing a car, right? That's yeah, 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 yeah. What is last? <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> Holy shit. The crime of taking the goods of another person without permission, usually secretly, with the intent of keeping them. It is one form of theft. Some states differentiate between grand larceny and petty larceny based on the value. Okay, what's the difference between theft and larceny? They're often used synonymously, but they're not the same. In most case, in the cases, larceny is a smaller crime, while theft is a more serious one. It also depends on the state where you live, since some states classify... So they're like budgie smugglers in New South Wales versus tongs and, or togs or whatever the fuck they call them in Queensland. It's, it sounds like it's basically just theft. Yeah, it's, yeah okay. So we, Still, so we vaguely did know, just didn't know the word. Stealing a bicycle from a bike rack or taking someone's purse as it hangs from the back of the chair are all considered larceny. Theft, on the other hand, is a broader term that applies to any crime that involves taking someone else's property with the intent to de- deprive the person of its possession. What? <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like a sp- specific form of theft, but it sounds... So the chick that I saw that had stolen a diamond from Prouds at Lithgow Court <laughs> That'd be grand larceny, surely. Probably. Unless it was a really shit diamond or a cubic zirconia. That's it. It's grand larceny actually sounds quite posh. So it might yeah. be something that the, the people who were committing that crime tried to popularize the term just because it sounds so much more exciting. You know, maybe they realized less, fewer people were interested in becoming thieves. 
as economies were growing and punishments were going down, people didn't see the excitement in becoming a thief. So yeah. the marketing team of thieves were like, oh, how do we make this more appealing to the young people? Yeah. Instead of thief, uh, instead of theft, let's call it grand larceny. And they probably Ooh. had the money as well because they were really successful well, thieves. Yeah. So they could have had that of just been like, actually, I prefer the term larcenist. And I would prefer the term larcenist to is thief. That a, is larcenist a... Well, it is well, now. Yeah. <laughs> larcenist. <laughs> word we don't I know. like that. Yeah. Well, arsonists, so maybe. Arsonists are just psychopaths, basically. I mean, yeah. you can't really... There's no underlying philosophy to being an arsonist, is there? No. And everyone that I've ever seen interviewed is just a really fucked man. Like one of those people that just have like one twitching eye, don't blink much, just being like, I just like fire. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. Dark, always scary. Dark childhoods for sure. Dark childhoods, but also they seem stupid and yeah, evil. They, they like the worst combination of a person. Okay, so serial killer is evil but smart, and an arsonist is, so. is evil but uh, dumb, and a uh, drug kingpin is just smart. <laughs> and evil, it's subjective whether they're evil. I mean, if there's a demand, there's a demand. What do you do? They're not marketing. It's Chris Rock has that good joke, right? He's like, anybody ever sold me drugs? People sold me a refrigerator. People sold me, I didn't want it. And then someone convinced me to buy. No one's, uh, there's no marketing needed for drugs. People just want it. There's already a demand. Mm. So they're just supplying that as efficiently as possible. You know, they're not like, oh, how can we make cocaine? No, 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 they aren't, though. They, because, okay, some of them would be, but there would be dodgy people within the drug dealer community. Like people that are cutting coke, for instance, just cutting it with Omo or something. Yeah. So they're, there's the marketing con in that because they're just saying, like, this is cocaine. And it's sort of cocaine, yeah, true, true, but true. it isn't really cocaine. So that is false advertising. Yeah. It is a form of marketing. Wow. So it's a really, yeah, they're not, they don't have respect for the coke game, do they? Because they're getting <laughs> a short-term profit there. But as people then will lose uh, respect for, for the cocaine dealers and start moving on to other drugs where the quality is higher. Unless you're in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, in Australia, you can get away with like 7% cut Coke. Yeah. I've and the rest of it just being crap. Absolute garbage. And I've heard. It's <laughs> <absolutely> <laughs> and that it's very expensive. I've heard. Uh, but. <laughs> no, but that's the other reason that you can tell that it's a crap drug as well. Because a lot of bankers that I know, they all do Coke. And I just know from listening to Cokeheads in the US that. You can't function properly after a night on pure Coke. Like you yeah, start getting okay. really desperate and pinging. And it's just oh, like every every shit. every Coke, they say it's just like, you know, it's like drinking 30 coffees or something. And that's just one. And if you're having it all night. Hmm. But then here all the time, they're just like, yeah, you can just go in the bags. We're just going in the toilet. And then we're just back to business. And it's because you're not having Coke, dude. <laughs> that's wow. Why. So we've been completely undercut. The, the Australian market. There's some. There needs to be more regulation in the cocaine industry. Yeah, there does. Because one firm would have been like, "Well, we'll just cut costs a little bit." Then the other firms like, "Oh, to compete, we have to cut costs." <laughs> and then everyone's cut costs. But then, in tandem, they've all gotten together, all the coke dealers, and been like, "Let's just raise the price to a ridiculous level." 
because there's no elasticity of demand. Yeah. That's uh, the, the economics of cocaine. That's That'll be a good essay. Yeah, in Australia. In Australia. But in, in the US, it would just be an arms race. It would just be like, uh, well, that's the whole thing of just being like the purish cocaine, pure, 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 uh, crack cocaine. That's what happened yeah. there. Cracks when you smoke it in a pipe, right? I think, look, now there's even going to be more comments. That's always going to be fun because now we're talking about drugs and neither of us know anything about that <laughs> no, and everybody no. watching this knows a lot about drugs. Yep. Uh, but I, I think that crack cocaine I think it's when is like, no, like they've, they've like uh, uh, manipulated the chemical components of cocaine. You can smoke it. Yeah. I'm sure you can inject you can it, smoke but it. They've, they've done something to the chemistry of cocaine. Well, I know that it, it's a big... Uh, point of contention in the in race relations because the uh, penalty for uh, possession of crack cocaine or for dealing crack cocaine was far higher than regular cocaine. Yeah, and it was no, but, generally uh, a drug in the in the African American community. Yeah, but fuck that. That's not because it's racist. Like that no, is because crack cocaine is fucked. Like crack cocaine yeah. is so much worse for you than cocaine. <laughs> shouldn't it just be? Shouldn't it be evident in the name of it? Crack. <laughs> that you shouldn't be having that. That's that's a very scary name. Crackhead seems like such. You yeah, never want to meet sounds- a crackhead, do you? You might want to meet a cokehead. A cokehead seems cokehead like they'd be a fun guy. Fun. Yeah, but crack. Crackhead does not sound intense. fun. Yeah, ice sounds pretty intense. Yeah, methhead. Methhead is Ecstasy. a horrible, horrible name. Ecstasy sounds great. Yeah, obviously. but I don't know what they're called, though. Just lovers. What, what are they? Uh, Hippies. Yeah. There's nothing really... 18-year-old... Yeah, 18-year-old hot chicks. That's that's what it is. Yeah. Oh, no, this is boring. about that. Uh, it's, yeah, it's the phone, the interference. Um, well, to conclude this one, didn't go in any direction that we wanted to go in, but that no. was great. That was the we called this one the psychology of criminals, maybe. Yes, because that's clearly what this was. Analyzing Very criminals. educated. Analyzing criminals. Psychoanalysis. Grasping at what drugs are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so good being a comedian, right? You can just you can put in whatever opinions you want, and well, we're just comedians. Yeah, it's a we very don't know good what defense. Yeah. Oh, I'm just convinced. It's just a joke, bro. It's just a joke. Exploration is part of the artistic process. <laughs> and then, and then, <laughs> if you can, and to some degree, if you can edify people with your comedy, it's so remarkable. Oh wow, they're funny, but they also taught Makes me something. You think. Like, well, the fucking actual professor would have taught you far more. <laughs> but I, I know, teach dude. you one little thing, and you're oh wow. There's a comedian that actually taught me something. Yeah, that's uh, my. It's comedy privilege right there. It is comedy, dude. I, I often think about that. That like, it really is a shield. I do a show that there is definitely some economics professor that talks to like e- even your show at Gosford. He would beg to be in front of that audience. Yeah, but I he's know, giving exactly the same information as me. It's just that he's not making stupid, like low-brow jokes in between that yep. information. That's and a that's a common uh, compliment. He's, he's, he's a funny. He was also very smart. Yeah, <laughs> not meant to be smart, which is weird. I really, I really, uh, you know, aim for that. I really try to be funny, but I also want to be smart. 
<laughs> makes sense, really. I should just try to be funny. Uh, anyway. The thinking man's comment. <laughs> That's such a pretentious... It's so annoying to aim for that, isn't it? The thinking man's comment. A lot the of raised eyebrows in your comedian. Yeah. I know. The comedian that... You know, I was talking What's to someone What's a comedian's there that... comedian? What do you reckon that is? Comedian's comedian is the usually the edgy or the absurd one. or One that gets a lot of praise from the comedy world. Can't be too successful or mainstream. So Louis C.K. up up until... Well, for some people, he's still the comedian's comedian. Louis C.K. would be a comedian's comedian because he really is a, just a genius comedian. He's very clever and... And he's, it's, it's a style that's very unique. It's new. It feels like it's sort of pushed comedy forward. Um, whereas you're more... Ma- although he is pretty mainstream. So he'd be someone who is both a comedian's comedian and then managed to transcend that and become a very mainstream comedian too. Okay, so it's the opposite of being a comedian and a clown. It's comedian's comedian and comedian. So you're going from the top to the you're going from the cream of the crop to the cream yeah but you're not going to the base you're not going to the base you're not, you're not, you're not going the to clown. the crop yeah i th- i'd say that's how i'd you know who i think got it? all three rodney rude i truly think that he did all three of those He's i thought thinking... he was a clown a comedian's comedian and a comedian i, I haven't seen enough of him i need to see more of of him but you know, you can never, whenever people do a character, you can't judge them on the, you have to judge them on the the way they've created that character. If that, well, because someone like Rodney Roode, the jokes are obviously going to be very low brown, blue collar, blue collar, but it's the depiction of that sort of archetypal character that presents those jokes, which is what should be being judged. You know what else is being judged there though as well? Originality. That's something that I'm mm. always basing jokes off of. It is even if it doesn't make me laugh, as long as I'm just like, I've never heard of that perspective before, or I wasn't expecting that punchline. Exactly. I'll pay that. Exactly the same as me. It's uh, if I can go out of that being, if I can hear a joke and think, I didn't think about it that way before. That is great comedy. Yeah, yeah. There's there's levels of that. That's there's that's funny. That's true. So that's funny and that's true, which I think is good comedy. Great comedy is that's funny, that's true. Never thought of it like that before. Yeah. That that those are the three three tiers. There's yeah. the Cole Hacker the Cole Hacker tiered comedy Method. system. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny, bro. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> oh fuck no, it sounds so dumb. <laughs> oh, that's it. I never thought of it like that, bro. That's 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 right, I think we can conclude on that. On my uh, methodology of judging comedy. <laughs> it should be punching up. Fuck you. No. Yeah. That's very subjective. That What's that? punching up? Exactly. Uh, Okay, uh, thank you for listening to. That was a bit of a that was a chill podcast. That one was quite casual, yeah. relative to our usual ones. Yes, it was. So I hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, uh, subscriptions available neilcohacker.com slash podcasts. Jordan has some live shows. Go to his website to uh, find the locations and dates. I have a show on the. Gold Coast on March 20th and my weekly Sydney show, which restarts February 4th. And we will see you next time. Bye.